0: blog talk radio
1: the
2: matrix is a system neil that system is our enemy when you're inside you look around what do you see businessmen teachers lawyers carpenters the very minds of the people we are trying to save but until we do, these people are still a part of that system and that makes them our enemy. You have to understand, most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. And many of them are so inert, so hopelessly dependent on the system that they will fight to protect it. Were you listening to me, Neo? Or were you looking at the woman in the red dress? I was... Look again. Breathe it. is in the Matrix? No. It's another training program designed to teach you one thing. If you are not one of us, you are one of them. What are they? Sentient programs. They can move in and out of any software still hardwired to their system. That means that anyone we haven't unplugged is potentially an agent. Inside the Matrix, they are everyone and they are no one. We have survived by hiding from them, by running from them. But they are the gatekeepers. They are guarding all the doors. They are holding all the keys, which means that sooner or later, someone is going to have to fight them. Someone? I won't lie to you, Neil. Every single man or woman who has stood their ground, everyone who has fought an agent has died. But where they have failed, you will succeed. Why? I've seen an agent punch through a concrete wall. Men have emptied entire clips at them and hit nothing but air. Yet their strength and their speed are still based in a world that is built on rules. Because of that, they will never be as strong or as fast as you can be.
3: What are you trying to tell me? That I can dodge bullets?
2: No, Neo trying to tell you that when you're ready,
0: you won't have to. Keep
1: it locked. Locked on Hindsight Radio. The controlled press, the white press, inflames the white public against Negroes. The police are able to use it to paint the Negro community as a criminal element. The police are able to use the press to make the white public think that 90 percent or 99 percent of the Negroes in the Negro community are criminals. And once the white public is convinced that most of the Negro community is a criminal element, then this automatically paves the way for the police to move into the Negro community exercising Gestapo tactics, stopping any black man who is in the, on, on the sidewalk, whether he is guilty or whether he is innocent, whether he is well-dressed or whether he is poorly dressed, whether he is educated or whether he is dumb, whether he's a Christian or whether he's a Muslim, as long as he is black and a member of the Negro community, the white public thinks that the white policeman is justified in going in there and trampling on that man's civil rights and on that man's human rights. Once the police have convinced the white public that the so-called Negro community is a criminal element, they can go in and question, brutalize, murder unarmed innocent Negroes and the white public is gullible enough to back them up. This makes the Negro community a police state. This makes the Negro neighborhood a police state. It's the the most heavily patrolled. It has more police in it than any other neighborhood, yet it has more crime in it than any other neighborhood. How can you have more cops and more crime? Why? It shows you that the cops must be in cahoots with the criminals.
3: I was born by the river In a little tent Oh, and just like the river I've been running Every it's been a long A long time coming But I know A change going come Oh yes it will It's been too hard to live it But I'm afraid to die I don't know what's up there Beyond the sky It's been a long A long time coming But I know I go to my brother, and I say, Brother, help me, please. But he wants. Wh-
1: to your host, Akeem L. on
0: Hindsight Radio.
3: each other, denies our brother, a war's going on, but the reason's undercover, the truth is kept secret, and swept under the rug, if you never know truth, then you never know love, what's the love, y'all, come on, I don't know. Now, I'm the truth, you come on, I don't know you I'm dying, children you practice right, what you teach, and you turn Whatever happened through the values of humanity, whatever happened through the fairness and equality. Instead of spreading love, we're spreading animosity. Lack of understanding leading us away from unity. That's the reason why sometimes I'm feeling under. That's the reason why sometimes I'm feeling down. It's no wonder why sometimes I'm feeling under. Gotta keep my faith alive, love is found. One word, one word. We only got one word, one world. That's all we got, one more, one word. There's something's wrong with it, There's Something's wrong with it, somethings wrong with, it. something's wrong with the good word, word, yeah. We only got one word, one world. That's all we got.
1: i hoping you could tell me what happened that night that God first spoke to you in that audible voice and what your understanding of God is these days, who or what is God to you these days?
4: It's not a question of who or what God is, but who or what God is not. Because to try to define God and to try to answer your question, who or what is God, It is almost impossible since there's nothing that is not God it's much easier to answer the question who is God not and the answer is nothing nothing that exists is not a part of that which we call God so nothing in reality nothing in physical reality or even for that matter metaphysical reality is not a part of what I call God nothing stands outside of God So the answer is that God is everything. Many of the world's religions speak in those terms. They speak of God as the all in all, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the unseen seer, the unmoved mover. They they try to find some phrase that can grapple with the enormity of what we would call God. So that's uh, who and what God is to me, everything really. Well, what happened that night is really described in the book, It's in, in the first book it's described pretty clearly there. I simply uh, had reached a point in my life where I was no longer happy with how things were going and uh, I, I didn't understand why life was showing up the way it was and I didn't know what I had to do to make life work anymore. and. And I, I really uh, wrote out an angry letter on a yellow legal pad that happened to be in, on the coffee table in front of me. I woke up in the middle of the night, very angry, just threw the covers back, I, like restless and couldn't sleep. It was quarter after four, 20 after four in the morning. and And I thought, gosh, you know, what does it take to make life work? And what have I done to deserve a life of such continuing struggle? And I sat there on the coffee table, and I just wrote out... I don't know what I thought I was doing. I just wrote out the questions just really to get it out of my system more than anything. But then I you know, I heard that voice over my right shoulder that said, Do you really want answers to all these questions? Or are you just venting? I turned around, of course, there was no one there. And uh, I I thought, My God, I, I know I heard somebody there. There was And then I realized Either I'm going out of my mind, which was entirely possible,
0: <laughs>
4: or, uh, you know, or something extraordinary has just happened here. So then I wrote on my yellow legal pad, just on a whim, you know, yes, well, I, I am team, but, <laughs> but if you've got answers to these questions, I'd sure like not know what they are. And immediately, like a download, as if someone had just downloaded a large amount of information in my mind everything that's in the first part of that book came to me right there. And I began writing incredibly fast to try to capture all of it that I was, I want to say, receiving. Before I knew it, I realized that I was involved in an on-paper dialogue that was uh, just proceeding back and forth. But about uh, 50 or 60 pages into it, handwritten pages, it said this will one day become a book
1: so there was a definite sense that this information that you were receiving was not coming from it wasn't coming from a distant memory or a
4: no no because and i'll tell you why i knew that because nothing that i was hearing was part of my previous understanding of anything Mm -hmm. i'll give you one example it said somewhere in the early part of our exchange it said there's no such thing as the ten commandments that was so far removed from my upbringing, from my you know, spiritual awareness, what I presumed to be my spiritual awareness, it was so far removed from my cultural understanding uh, that I, uh, it, such a thought was almost almost blasphemy
5: Alright, peace everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Truth Tuesday show with your host, Akeem L here on Hindsight Radio. The information station changing the nation. I hope everybody's doing great. I'm doing great. Just a little tired. Uh been on the road for the past few days. Um, back and forth taking care of some business and so I'm a little weary. Uh, and I want to thank everybody for their expressions of uh, sympathy for my uncle passing last week. I remember when I did the show last week, uh, as I was starting the show, and that's what he was calling to say. So uh, I was a little short with him, you know, when I was talking to him, hey, I'm, I'm starting the show, uh, what do you need? And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll call you, just call me back when we get done. And um, uh, first, before I go into that, can y'all? Am I good on my on my side? Uh, can you hear me? some strange things was happening while I was waiting for the show. Um, so if you can hear me, just let me know real quick. Uh, I guess you can hear me because somebody already responded. Like Flockman, thank you, thank you for that. <clears throat> Beth, thank you. Um, Jason, thank you. Uh, so he was telling me that he, he was wise enough to hold off to not tell me that. Uh, he said, yeah, you know, you start the show. I, right? you know, I called him to apologize for being so abrupt. He said, no, nah, that's all right. I held off because I knew you wouldn't be able to do your show. So... He was like, why hell, dog?" And he was right. So I'm glad he didn't tell me because that information that you guys that I gave you last week was very important. And I hope you go back and listen to it. I'm going to do a part two of it today and read the rest of that document and break it down further. I know sometimes uh, we, you know, I can read things and I have a, a, a different understanding of it, and um, because I, you know, you know, my my experience is drawn off a lot of other information I've read, and a lot of you guys don't have the time that I have to read these things and dissect them. This is my job. This is what I do, so I could dissect them a lot easier. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a little tired, and um, so I'm gonna do that. Talk about that. And um, we – just just a couple of things I want to announce. Saturday, the 22nd, is the CPN webinar. Now, this is going to be a – this webinar is going to be different than the other CPNs because I'm going to show you all how to do everything without it. You don't even have to get the CPN. You know, like, for instance, I'm moving to a new address, actually an old address that I lived at before, And I didn't use social for none of that. I didn't use the CPN. I didn't give them anything. I just gave them information. So I'm going to show you all how to use the CPN without saying the CPN. You know, so we can stay legitimate, stay on the path of not having problems with these people, because I felt it was time for me to teach you all that and and some more you know, a few other insights um on that, so just back to what I've been dealing with all week you know had going back and forth um, um, you know between one city to the next, then I had to go to Augusta to see my aunt, who's my uncle's wife. We did that on Sunday, me and Beth went on Sunday to do that. She supported me on that. Um, it's always good to have good support systems and, and people you can count on. And that brings me to a point. <laughs> you fellas, you guys, you men, the ones who call themselves men, the ones who call themselves alphas, and I'm the man, we definitely, as men, and I take this, you know, myself, responsibility myself, I'm talking to myself as well. We have to do better when it comes to how we present ourselves to the public, to our friends, to people we're working for, to our women. Now, we could talk about how bad our sisters are all day long. But if you study Reverend Ike, our sisters are just a reflection of us. And vice versa, with the women who say men are all bad. Our brothers are just a reflection of who we are inside. So we all got a lot of work to do. We all have a lot of uh, accounting for our, what we do. Without going into any real detail, just, you know, you know, I, I personally witnessed, um, where brothers were hired to do jobs, and they gave less than, you know, their ex, they gave just bad work, just just like that. And and that's what they presented as good work, and they gave the word that the work would be good, uh, and, and it wasn't, you know? And it, it made me feel, as a man, I was embarrassed for us. Give me a second. Give me one second. I have to send a message. Um,
1: um you know, I
5: was embarrassed for us, you know? Um you know, remember I said that. You know, Beth helped me um, when I went to go see my aunt. Well, I've been working with her because she just purchased a home and she had some wanted some renovations done. So I've been going back and forth there, you know, helping with that. And a couple of brothers was hired, and we wanted to uh, make sure, you know, we try to put give it to our people, family members. One was a family member. One was a friend of a friend. And they said, you know, know, one of them came highly recommended. And they present themselves in a way that's unprofessional. And then we complain while we give out money to other groups. I really hate to see our money go out to other groups like that. But sometimes in in certain situations, we're left with no choice because we do it and then we we get – we have to do, do the work all over again. Like, for instance, one of the jobs was uh, hardwood floors. that were going to get, they needed to be redone. Now, the hardwood floors had a couple of dark spots from um, um, some carpet had been there from the previous owner had darkened up the floor. Now, I'm familiar with how to do floors because my father was in a cleaning business. He had a commercial cleaning business, and he taught me what to do when it comes to floors. You know, when you're doing hardwood floors, you're sanding them down. You got to, you know, get that dust up, clean it up. You know, you almost got to have something to suck up all of the debris, clean it up, mop the floor, clean it several times until you have to have several mops because if there's dirt on the mop, that means there's still dirt on the floor. You have to mop that floor until that mop, the last mop you use. It's pretty much coming out clean. Because before you throw that that polyurethane on, you don't want the debris to be in it. So floor is a detailed, meticulous thing to do. Needless to say, long story short, the floors look worse than they was before they got there. And this person gave their word, you know, I'm going to make you proud, blah, blah, blah. And I really felt bad as a man, you know, this is a woman who's looking to her fellow men to support her and do business and give them business, and that's how they responded. And then y'all wonder why our sisters don't trust us. That's why right there, that is a perfect example. You know, here I am advocating for you guys, and here I get two brothers back to back act like fool. Yo, what how do you how do you speak up for that? And of course me, I'm straightforward. I said you gotta tell him that was a bad job. So he don't go do the job somewhere else like that. Now the job's gotta get done. How do you think who do you think is gonna get that money now? The most qualified person, whether they be Korean, white, green, yellow, the most qualified person. So that means going through Finding that person, and they really can't. You got to redo them. They're not going to be able to salvage. It's nothing to salvage. I mean, from from debris in the polyurethane to footprints in the polyurethane, just terrible. But it's a live learning lesson. You know, still can't judge. But brothers, we got to do better. Our jobs is to protect. Our people protect our women Protect our children that's our Job You know whether it in the protection doesn't start with just physical Protection that's the last Resort It's spiritual mental You know financial You know educational You know the large majority of our Communities get taught by females Right you know that right in these schools It's hardly any male teachers there. And if it is a male, I know we're in this area, they're white males. So a lot, we as brothers have left a lot of the teaching up to everybody else but ourselves. And I know it's tough because when I try to assert my, I want to educate, I get, oh, you sure, you know, it's an automatic. Distrust that I can handle it, and I understand where that's coming from because largely we have we have been programmed to just not trust us as men, black men, or brother. I don't like that men of color, uh, indigenous men, whatever you want to call us, aboriginals. We have been taught; they, they, people have been taught to distrust us, and that's what we're working against. And so we got to – y'all have to look at that and understand that that's one of the things we're working against. Uh, but at the same time, there is no excuse for delivering poorly on a job. One of the main things that I get from my customers is reliability, meaning if I say I'm going to do it, I do it. And I try to meet my deadlines as much as I possible. If I don't meet them, I actually communicate, hey, it's going to be ready here then. And I get it done. I try to give you when you guys buy something from my website, y'all have it. Try to have it you no know, later than two to three days. You have your product. And a lot of times, the reason why, only reason why it takes two to three days, because if it's a large purchase, I like for it that payment to clear properly, and before I send off the product, you know, I have to check it, vet those purchases because we deal with a lot of fraudsters, people playing games. So that's why even the reason why it, it takes a little longer. Or I would just have y'all product to y'all, you know, almost the same day. But I, you know, because of the way the system works, I have to give it, yeah, you know, at least two days uh, before I send them out. Um, but yeah, that was horrible, and I was on the cusp of having to travel back and forth. You know just imagine just imagine this two, three times a week, traveling two and a half hours to make sure you know to, to to make sure things are right, and then, on top of that, you're dealing with a situation where people are not doing what they're supposed to do, and they don't do it right, and they 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 expect to get paid. Just imagine that mental anguish, that mental stress. Now, us men, we're designed to c- can handle that a little stronger. So, now you just place that on a woman, you know, in her emotional state. These are one of the reasons why our sisters are saying some of the things they say about us. Because to her, that's our world right there. That's getting all of these things together. And and on top of that, having – and this is all being done for her son, who was handicapped, you know, on top of her. <laughs> so you're trying to do all this, deliver a home to your son in, 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 in a good condition, and then you have these people from the outside causing more problems for you. And they all just, ha- just so happen to be of the, the men from – her ethnic background. Just put yourself in that shoe. So before we start pointing the fingers out at the sisters, same thing for your sisters, before you start pointing the fingers at the brothers, we have to look at what people are going through. We're talking about the brothers, okay? Because I'm I'm a direct witness, first hand knowledge witness this for myself. And I've witnessed this in the past. I've done it. I've had, you know, brothers come to work on, you know, had a leak in the ceiling and wanted to get the business to a brother. Oh, I could do the job, blah, 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 get there, start on the work. Oh, I'll be back. I got to handle something and never come back. I still have the brother's tools in my garage. He never came back. And I had to hire someone else, high and low, try to find other brothers, couldn't find them. And lo and behold, guess what? Guess who came to the rescue? A older white gentleman, very sweet, very nice man, came in said he charged me a reasonable rate and did a excellent job. Isn't that a shame that I had to reach out to another group of people to give them the money to fix something that I wanted to give to our community. So before we start talking trash about all these other people, and how the system is keeping us down, the system is not keeping us down anymore. We're keeping ourselves down by our own behaviors. Okay? Let's get real with it. We are keeping ourselves down because guess what? Nothing's keeping me down. I live good. I have a good and peaceful life. And the people that are in my life, and anybody that comes into my life that is not peaceful, I have learned to evict them quickly, handle them from a distance. And you guys are going to have to learn to do the same thing if you want to be peaceful and prosperous, wealthy and healthy. Your first priority is to maintain your peace in your life. And anybody that brings that... So that was the lesson. So as we were on the way back from the house, we got to talk about um, that situation. And one of the things I mentioned is before we hire anybody to do work, we have to look beyond what they say, meaning look at their background. How do they present themselves? You know... You know, how are they coming up? If you see chaos surrounding them, that there's a hint of that, that means that's going to be in their work. So it's obviously obvious the work that they presented is a pure representation of what's going on in their mind. What they see as perfection or what is good is not your good. It's all mind, it's all thoughts, it's all perception. So when you see these things manifesting in people, you got to be with, that was a teaching moment. You know, okay. You know, another group of people came, who's there at the house yesterday morning, and everybody that came, came in a professional manner, um, had their uniforms on, and, um, and, 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 and it was really customer service oriented you can almost be confident that they'll do a good job. (laughs) And unfortunately, there weren't anybody that was one of our people, you know, because, you know, the house is being remodeled, got to put a lift in there for him to get upstairs and all of that stuff. And, you know, so he got, you know, it's it's a whole lot going on. And really, frankly, don't have time for the BS. And that was BS time we got to show love to people and not judge them, That we just know, <laughs> you know, not going to use that, do that again. So, brothers, be mindful of what you're doing. If you're going to do work, do it to the best, your best. You know, as if it's yours. And that's in everything. Present yourself in your best. I had to learn that. You know, I, I do good in a lot of areas, but one of the areas I didn't do good at is, you know, when I don't really want to hear something, I just shut off. Hey, I don't hear that. I don't care. But, you know, people's feelings matter. And you have to consider those in your interactions with people, especially the ones that you're close with. You know, it took me a while to learn that. I'm learning that. You know, you got to create an environment of peace around your home and the people you're close with. So... Once again, thanks, everybody, for your, your uh, your condolences, and special thanks to Beth for, you know, hanging out with me when I went to go see my aunt. We had a good time over there. On the way through, stopped by, talked to my parents, you know, a little bit, you know. Anyway, so let's go on to the show. What are we, what are we going to talk about? All right, let's, let's do this, because, um do this proper name part two i feel like i gotta say something else. oh i do remember uh thursdays you already know i used to be used to this by now thursday jessica and show the divine connection show they talk about great topics about uh setting boundaries which was last week and different things um I'll go t- listen to those shows, and then on Sundays, we have the homeschooling show okay, so that's with Bathsheba uh Beth <laughs> same person um, that's on Sunday so uh, listen to that show because with all of this covid nineteen crap going on. It's ridiculous that people are sending their kids to school to be subjected to all of those barbaric things that's going on. You know keep the kids home if you can. Find a way to teach your children yourself. We have spent too much time sending our children to other people to teach them. Let's take ownership of our children's education. That's the only way we're going to change. Um, anything? If we keep, how do we expect to change our, oh, um, oh, um, how how do we expect to change our community if we keep letting the the people that giving us bad information teach our children? You know. So I just got confirmation we will have another host. Oh, um, we'll work out the details and I'll let you know exactly when he's going to come on. Brother, he's been pretty much on this show since the beginning. Um, I've had personal interactions with him. I'm very fond and think highly of this brother. Um, And I think he um, he can serve a need that I can't do with all of the responsibilities on my shoulder. So he can come in and he can pick that up for me um and, and and you know, because a lot of y'all are coming from the beginning and y'all need that beginning knowledge he's got it, and trust me, he's got the battle wounds, the court experience, trust me, and yes, he is a national, yes, he is, so I'll let you let him tell his story, and you will be amazed by it, all right, so let's go on to this proper name, the American Heritage book. Of the English uses. Oh, they're back to the. Uh, I'm sorry. To go back and forth. I didn't give y'all the times. Jessica and the show is Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Every Thursday. The homeschooling show. Uh, I think what is the title? She titled it. It's uh, raising independent thinkers show. That's the name of the show. Um, uh, that's every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Two shows are up there so far, very good shows. One of them is on YouTube, and one I haven't gotten to edit and put up there. I got a lot. I'm I'm backed up on some things, so y'all, one day y'all gonna get a barrage of YouTube videos once I catch up. But I think I got a lot. I'm moving, so that's been the, um, you know, keeping me busy. All right, so let let me go back once again. So, on this document, I'm going to put it in the chat again. I want y'all to read it. Um, There you go. There it is. There's the link. So, I'm going to start off reading from Inheritance Book of English Usage. So, you know, last week I'm talking about proper names. If your name is in all caps, that's not your name. It's not proper. It's not proper English. to so all cap someone's name. It only has one purpose, is to fool you into accepting that or assuming that's you. Okay? So, here we go. The American Heritage Book of English Uses is a practical and authoritative. This is this where I wanted to start it? Hold on. That's not where I wanted to start. Um, I wanted to start at Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of Law. Okay, here we go. Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of Law, 1996, states: Legal fiction, something assumed in law to be fact, irrespective of the truth or accuracy of that assumption. Example: the legal fiction that a day has that a day has no fractions. Bills versus Fairbanks, North Star Borough. This is the reason behind the use of all caps when writing a proper name. The U.S. and state governments are deliberately using a legal fiction to address the lawful, real flesh and blood man or woman. We say this is deliberate because their own official publications state that proper names are not written, not to be written in all caps. They are deliberately not following their own recognized authority. In the same respect, by identifying their own government entity in all caps, they are legally stating that is also intended to be a legal fiction, as stated by Dr. Mary Newton Bruder in the beginning of this memorandum. The use of all caps by for writing a proper name is an internal style for what is apparently a predetermined usage and at this point unknown jurisdiction. The main key to legal fiction. Is assumption as noted in each definition above? Okay, keyword assumption. Let's, I, I, I know y'all probably know what that is, but let's look it up anyway. Oh, uh, assumption definition. I don't like assuming that I know a word. Okay, a thing that is accepted as true or as certain to happen without proof, position. Presupposition, presumption, premise, and belief. So even belief, y'all some I mean, of y'all believe. Y'all believe. Christ coming back for y'all. And y'all some of y'all believe rapture, going to heaven, going to hell. Those all beliefs, so that's under the word synonym is assumption. it's saying a thing that is accepted is true. Or certain to happen without proof So just because the Bible says it That doesn't make it proof That's not proof As you know people interpret the Bible All kinds of ways Proof is when you see Like I have proof That those flaws were not done properly Why? Is I per- personally witnessed it with my own eyes I have no proof That someone actually went to heaven Other than with this book Who has has been revised Thousands of times That's a belief That's an assumption Let's let's look at the facts Alright And the same book says Y'all gotta have faith I ain't gonna get too religious on y'all right now Alright So I was at The deliberately Not Okay Conclusion, there are no official or unofficial English grammar-style manuals or reference publications that recognize the use of ball caps when writing a proper name. To do so is by fiat. Within, okay, let's, what is fiat? What does that mean? He says by fiat. I kind I of know. I know our money is fiat. What is fiat? They, 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 they're using some Definition. Yeah, y'all in school today. Um, why isn't it coming up? Oh, I put it in a long spent place. Fiat, a formal authorization or proposition, a decree. Decree, edict, order, command, commandment, injunction. So, fiat, that's what it means. Wow. Oh. <laughs> so, people call a dollar fiat money. But this definition says fiat is a decree, edict, order. So basically, the article is saying to do so is by decree, order, within and out of an undisclosed jurisdiction by unknown people for unrevealed reasons, by juristic license of arbitrary presumption, not based on fact. The authors of the process unilaterally. Laterally create legal fictions for their own reasons and set about to get us to take the bait, fall for the deceit. Assumptions of legal fiction. An important issue concerning this entire matter is whether or not proper name perverted into an all caps assemblage of letters can be substituted for a lawful Christian name or any proper name, such as the state of Florida, and the assertion of all capital letters legal. So, if so, from where does this practice originate and what enforces it? A legal fiction may be employed when the name of a person is not known and therefore uses the fictitious name John Doe as a tentative or interim artifice to surmount the absence of true knowledge until the true man is known. Upon discovering the identity of the fictitious name, the true name replaces it. In all cases, a legal fiction is an assumption of purported fact Without having known, shown the fact to be true or valid. It is an acceptance with no proof. Simply to assume is to pretend. Oran's Dictionary of Law says the word assume means to take up, (coughs) excuse me, to take up or take responsibility for, to receive, to undertake, assumption, to pretend, to accept without proof. So, assume means, and you if you take on the all caps of that name, you are assuming responsibility, okay, an assumption, all right? These same basic definitions are used by nearly all of the modern law dictionaries. It should be noted that there is a difference between the meanings of the second and third definitions with that of the first. Pretending and accepting without proof are the same understanding and meaning. However, to take responsibility for and receive or assumption does not have the same meaning. Orange defines assumption as formally transforming someone else's debt into their own debt. Compared with guarantee, the assumption of a mortgage usually involves taking over the seller's mortgage debt when buying a property, often a house. Now, what happens if all meanings for the word assume are combined. In a literal and definitive definitive sense, the meaning of assume would be the pretended acceptance without proof that someone has taken responsibility for has guaranteed or has received the debt. Therefore, let me stop right there, because I just had an epiphany off that. It said assume the debt. So let's just say you got child support obligation, right? They got you in all caps saying you this, that, and the other. So basically, the proper name, if you don't challenge that, is assuming the debt of the all fiction, assuming that responsibility. So basically, you just need to say proper name, your proper name does not assume the the let's say assume the obligation of this name. I just gave that's a big one I did, and those of you who have been working with for a long time. I know the light bulb went off. That's a rebuttal because you're saying you're assuming when you accept them, giving your paperwork in that name, you would just assumed responsibility for that contract. That's what it is. It's not really saying that's your name. It's saying you assume responsibility for that name, in all caps. So you have to do some type of rebuttal saying that you don't assume and deny. I deny any and all orders related to this name. You must deny. Okay? Three times. All right. Therefore, if we will apply all this in defining a legal fiction, the use of legal fiction is an assumption or pretension that the legal fiction name has received and is responsible for a debt of some sort. Use of the legal fiction John P. Jones, in all caps, in place of the proper name John Paul Jones, implies an assumed debt guaranteed without any offer approved. The danger behind this is that if such an unproven assumption is made, unless the assumption is proven wrong, it is considered valid. So you must, like I said, rebut it. And assume debt is valid unless proven otherwise. Unrebutted affidavit claim or charge stands as truth in commerce. This is in accord with the Uniform Commercial Code, valid in every state and made it part of the statutes of each state. A name written in all caps resembling a proper name, but grammatically not a proper name, is being held as a debtor for an assumed debt. Did the parties to the complaint incur the debt? If so, how and when? So here's a question. When did John P. Jones, proper name, incur a debt for John P. Jones, all cap? Can you explain this to me? Safety with Charles put. The question must be asked in that paper, when did your proper name assume the responsibilities for the all-cap name? Can you say what date the contract was made between those two parties or for the parties? You won't find it because they what they did was it's like a sleight of hand. They gave you something that pretended to be you when it wasn't you. And you got to point it out, that's not me. I, I I was coming in as in my proper name, proper form. I presented myself properly, and here you are presenting something to me that is improper, a nobody. James B. Jones all caps is a nobody. He doesn't exist. Nowhere. They made it up. That's why I. someone texted me. Earlier because I'm helping him with his case And I said remember All of what they're doing is not real But they have real consequences And uh, once you understand that Riddle you can beat them Yes everything They're doing is fiction They're dropping everything at you in all caps And you assumed And never rebutted. Even in my My uh, tired Being tired the, the, the information is coming at me all at once What needs to be done I see it clearly Where is the contract of indebtedness And that was signed And the proof of default thereon What happens if the proper name I.E. John P. Paul Jones Answers for assumes the fabricated name I.E. John P. Jones The two become one and the same This is the crux for the use of the all-caps names by the U.S. government and the states. It is a way that they can bring someone into the de facto venue venue jurisdiction that they have created by implication of definition. This also is for the purpose of some manner of assumed debt. Why won't they use the state of Texas or John Doe in their court on the driver's license, meaning why don't you use those in proper names? what stops them from doing this obviously there's a reason for using all cap names they are very capable of writing proper names just as their own official style manual states the reason behind legal fictions is found within the definitions as cited above the legalities of all capital letters names we could go on for hundreds of pages citing the legal basis behind the creation and use of all capital letters names in a nutshell Fabricated legal persons such as the state of Texas can be used to fabricate additional legal persons. Fictions arise from the law, not the law from fiction. Bastard legal persons originate from any judicial governmental actor that wishes to create them, regardless of whether he or she, it is empowered by law to do so. However, a law can never originate from a fictional foundation that doesn't exist. The generic and original U.S. Constitution was validated by treaty between individual mm-hmm. nation states. Did you hear it? it says nation states. They use they, they, you know really nation and states mean the same thing. All of which are artificial corporate institutions. They exist in abstract idea and construct. Staying within it is the required due process of law for all the participating nation states of that treaty representatives of the people in each nation state agreed upon and signed it. The federal government is not only created by it, but it's also bound to operate within the guidelines of constitutional due process. Any purported law that does not originate from constitutional due process is a fictional law without validity. Thus the true test of any American law is its basis of due process. According to the organic U S constitution Was it created according to the lawful process or created outside the lawful process? Okay, let me help you see this. The whole creating the state of South Carolina, all caps, and your name in all caps, they're creating a fictional proceeding come in and you assume is real because they can't do it Under the Constitution Because it would be denying you due process So they can only take due process Away from fiction Because all of it's made up Figments of their imagination And you come in And you do the dance with them The whole idea of Alice Not Alice in Wonderland But of The Wizard of Oz Is she always knew she always had the ability to go home. All she had to do was click her heels three times or or say, what, what was it? She had to say, oh, uh, no place like home. What it is, she had to wake up. And in that process, she meant different things. The, the lion who needed courage. The ten men who needed heart. All of those were symbolisms for your life. And on their journey, they went through the poppy field, which represented (laughs) uh, the government feeding you bogus information to to keep you high off their bad education so that you don't see the truth. So you fall asleep and never get home. So all you have to do is recognize that it's just an old man behind that curtain blowing through a machine, making himself sound big. So if you can see the paperwork that way and then going in, say, wait a minute. Hey, hold on. What is this name you got here? It's quasi. It's a quasi you. You need to explain that and say that to them properly. All right? So many people go into the courts. And they use these other techniques, you know. Recently, I had to totally cut someone off for that very reason. They just want to follow all of this nonsense that I've seen over and over again. And all they do at the end of the day, lose their homes. They either get to go to jail because they love trying to take shortcuts. I want this thing for free. I don't have to pay for it. They, they, they committed fraud, you know. Instead of just looking at the the answers is right there in front of them on the paperwork. The name's in all caps, and it's not you. They're addressing something else, and you must address that. Deal with that first, all right? Let me continue. For years, many have researched the lawful basis for creating all caps juristic persons and have concluded that there is no such foundation according to valid laws and due process. Well, what about those purported laws that are not valid and Have not originated from constitutional due process Is a very simple answer To the creation of such purported laws That are really not laws at all Executive orders For men, Executive orders to wear masks Right And directives They are color of law Without being valid laws of due process How does a wear How does mask wear invalid in due process First of all they telling you to wear a mask Because it's supposed to protect your health And other people's health are uh, they're, doc- they're not doctors. You're supposed to be evaluated by a licensed physician. Then they say, well, you're required to wear a mask. Okay? No one's done that. You have no due process to tell you wear a mask. I command all of you people to wear a mask. And... The crazy thing, they're not enforcing it. People, the regular people enforce it. I was listening to D.L. He we talked trash and about how he got tested for coronavirus and then when you listen to the whole story, he was really dehydrated and then he was dehydrated went to the hospital. They just happened to test him and they said he had coronavirus. And he said everybody in this house had coronavirus. The only people that didn't have a coronavirus was his daughter who wore a mask. Y'all see how they get these actors and these people to to promote this crap. Everybody medically knows that viruses will get through that mask if it's not sealed. Okay? If masks were so great, why are people still testing positive wearing masks? Okay? Why are people just falling dead in the street? And I mean, we getting off the subject a little bit while I was sitting with my aunt. Saturday, I mean Sunday, you know, and she was a big proponent of staying home, and she was sitting there critically thinking. She was like, you know, we're doing all this stuff, and it's not making sense. The numbers are not making sense, and if this is that and this and that, she was just sitting there without me saying a word, unraveling all of the the the, the idiocy, the, the 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 craziness of all of this that they're doing. So it's obviously it's not about your health and wearing a mask, it's more about something else. But yet our people promote it. You gagging yourself every time.
0: <laughs> that's
5: basically what you're doing. But anyway, and that's against your due process. No one has medically evaluated to say that you have to wear a mask. They just tell them everybody's going to mask. Okay, that's how that violates due process. Rather, they are laws based on fictional beginnings, which we know, COVID-19, right, and are the inherently defective basis for additional fictional laws and other legal fiction. They are regulated, promulgated by administrative code, rules, procedures, not due process. Currently, executive orders are enforced through the charade known as the Federal Administrative Procedures Act. Each state has adopted the same fatally flawed administrative laws. And there I'll stop. Okay, there is more to it. I want to read it. Maybe I'll read the rest of it next week. That's it. That is your key to getting out of all of this. Okay? That's the key. Stop trying to argue with these people about you know you know, denotes this, you know, when it's foreclosure or all this, uh, you didn't have a warrant. Wait a minute. Let's stop right there and say, hey, first of all, who is this? I don't know this guy you got on the page. This is who I am. Well, I don't know who that is. Can y'all tell me what this is? And they got to properly address that. And you're right. Uh, Jael. Fiction could not intercourse with the real You're right That's why they have to create illusions for you They gave you a fictional education They even gave you fictional gods I was just reading about Lucifer Today in depth Maybe I'll do another show on that next week When I have the strength That's going to bust a lot of y'all heads But I'll give y'all a hint Adam and Eve Was punished because they ate from a tree that would gave them knowledge of good and bad. The question to you is what's wrong with that? Knowing what's right and what's wrong. Oh. <laughs> I believe y'all are there on that one. You know? Like I said, this world has been reversed. What you believe is good is actually bad. And what you believe is bad is actually good. It took everything and reversed it. Okay? So, when you start reading ancient texts, you start to see how they flip the script. And a lot of the stuff you Christians are worshiping come out of other pagan religions. Deep, you know, pagan religions. Jesus comes out of us, originated not in Christianity, Judaism, Islam. They originate, they come from religions that are thousands of years old. You know, just switch them up, repackage, remix. It's called, the uh, you know, y'all know about the remix tapes they used to do back in the day, Them party mixes? That's exactly what they did with the Bible. All right, y'all, that's it for me this evening. I'm tired. I'm not going to take any calls tonight. Y'all marinate on that. I think I gave y'all a lot. Think about when it came to proper names. I also gave you brothers a lot to think about, you know, Let's dig deep in ourselves and start in pride in being a man. And with that goes with standing up for yourself and standing up for your loved ones, your family, you know, your community. We're the strength. We're the, we're the physical strength of the community. We're weak. We're looking weak. Where do you think our people are going to look for? Who else are they going to look to? Because In this situation I told you all about earlier It's almost forcing to go somewhere else Because you can't keep blowing money like that You know But anyway As usual Peace, prosperity, wealth and good health to everybody Y'all have a good night And I shall leave y'all with Reverend Ike The Secret of Good Luck
6: We now continue our study In the series Control Your Luck treating upon the idea of how to control your life, your luck, and your circumstances. The title of today's lesson is an interrogatory sentence. Dumb luck or science? And repeat the question after me. Dumb luck luck. or or science? Which am I going to live by? And in this lesson, I'm giving you a three-part technique for getting what you want. The first text is from the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, the second chapter, the second verse. And I want you to repeat it after me. Thunder it back at me, in fact, as I shall read it. And the Lord answered me and, the Lord answered me. and, said, and said, write the vision. Make it, plain. Make it plain. Write the vision. Write the vision. Make, it plain. Make it plain. Write
0: your dreams.
6: Write your, dreams. Write your good desires. Write what you want to be, to do and to have. To do and to have. Make it plain. Write your goals! Write your goals! Make them plain. The next text is from the Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter, the 51st verse. These are the words of Jesus to the blind man that I love to talk about with a fair degree of regularity. The blind man who was crying after Jesus as he passed by in a great healing and blessing crusade. He had heard that there's a man going around making the lame walk, the dumb talk, the blind to see, and the deaf to hear. One day he heard this great noise. He heard a great crowd. And he said to those around him, what is all of this noise that I hear? What is all of this rejoicing that I hear? I believe I hear some hallelujahs. I believe I hear some glory to God. What is all of this? They said to him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he began to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to hush him up, but he was the one that had the need. And as they tried to hush him up, he cried the more. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. But he really wasn't being very specific. Finally, Jesus said, bring him over here. Jesus said these words that we're reading for our text. These four words I choose from Jesus' response to the blind man who cried for mercy. And I'm going to have you thunder them back at me.
0: What What?
6: do you, you What? What do you want? What do you want? Now, I want you to say it word by word. What do I want? Again.
0: What
4: do
6: I
0: want?
6: All right. When you get home, take a whole piece of paper and let that be the heading. What do I want? And we're talking about living by science rather than by dumb luck. Learn how to live not by dumb luck, but by science and knowledge. Knowledge of the law, the law, the law of mind, the Word of God. You don't have to live by dumb luck. So say with me, I don't have to live by dumb luck. Now, you know, the people who really depend on luck, they really don't want to take responsibility for making their lives what they want it to be. They don't want to take responsibility for themselves, but you can live by science, by knowing. The word science comes from the original Greek word genoski or genoski, which means to know. You can know what you want, and you can know how to get it, how to be it, to do it and to have it. And that's what we're talking about today. I discovered some very interesting statistics. 75% of the people do not know what they want. I have discovered that perhaps the most confusing question to ask a person is, what do you want? Try it sometimes on somebody who's complaining. Well, things are not going right. I don't have this, I don't have that. I wanted to be this. I wanted to be that, but things didn't work out, blah 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 and boo 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 Well, just stop and cut right there and say, well, what do you want? I told you this some time ago. We were at a very luxurious French restaurant in Beverly Hills, and there were several people sitting at the table with me. And they brought out those big menus with some of everything on it that heart could desire. And one young man sat there and looked at that menu that had every suggestion almost imaginable on it. And finally, when it was his time to give his order and... The captain said to him, what do you want? He looked up bewildered and said, I don't know what I want. I want every one of you to know that life hands you a menu. Say with me, the menu of life is in my hand. The menu of life is in my hand. Say it again, the menu of life is in my hand. And you see, God has placed the menu of life in your hand. Somewhere in the Old Testament, God says, Behold, I set before you both good and evil, death and life. And Joshua said, What? Choose you this day. I say the greatest cause for people not getting what they want is that they do not make a direct choice, a definite positive choice. The menu of life is in your hand. Jesus said to the blind man in the text we just read, What do you want that I should do unto you? I hear you praying. You see, that's another thing. Prayer that is not definite and positive is not good enough. It's a beautiful habit to go to church and and to practice your various religious rituals that help you. But you must have a sense of direction. What are you doing it for? It isn't even enough to call Jesus unless you know your purpose. See, even the blind man was praying without a specific purpose stated. Except for mercy, which is rather general. We all need it every once in a while. But you've got to be specific because you can't eat mercy for breakfast. As I say, mercy is good. We all need it. And Jesus was really saying to the man who was praying, have mercy on me, he was really saying to him, man, you ain't said nothing yet. And the text, Jesus brought the man to a point of decision, a point of choice. And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And the Bible said, then Jesus touched his eyes and he received his sight. But he didn't get his prayers answered until he became definite and positive. Seventy-five percent other people don't know what they want. This is a pathetic class who is dependent upon dumb luck. Well, I hope my luck holds out. And you look at other people who are definite and positive and who work toward what they want, both mentally and otherwise, and say, I wish I was that lucky. Lucky! You've got to be definite and positive in your choice. Deuteronomy. The 30th chapter and the 15th verse. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. In other words, the menu of life is in your hand. Say that. The menu of life is in my hand. It's all set before you. You can be poor or you
0: can be rich.
6: If you want to be poor, don't blame anybody else. Just go on and be poor and don't complain. I'll never forget at Lovely Hill Baptist Church when I was a little boy. Ladies sang the song, You've Got to Live Forever Somewhere, either with the angels in heaven or the demons in hell. I made my choice. And I thought about that, and I think about that from time to time, whenever fear or irritation or aggravation or negative emotions come to my mind. You see, because the demons in hell are not under the ground. The demons in hell are right in your mind. The heaven and hell are in you. where You can choose either one. And I decide right there, I am not going to live with the demons of fear. I'm not going to live with the demons of irritation and aggravation. I'm going to live with the angels in heaven. And who are the angels? They're God's thoughts in the mind. The thoughts of good, thoughts of health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, yes, and that good old money. That's what I'm going to live with. And you see, every man, every mind has to live forever some way. But the choice is yours. You've got to make a choice. What do you want? Well, I would like to be prosperous, but get your butt out of the way. That's what people have been doing. They've been just butting their good away from them. Pick up that tape out before you go home by Reverend Ike. Get your butt out of the way and make a decision. Live by science, not by dumb luck. Now here's another 15% of the people who know what they want, but they don't write it down. They're too busy working their butts off to work their minds. But to work the behind without working the mind is not very productive. That is so good, I'm going to say it again. Are you with me? Repeat it after me. To work the behind without working the mind is not very productive. remember? I don't have time to write it down. You'd better stop and write it down. Now, there are 7% of the people who know what they want and they write it down. And the upper 3% of the people who get what they want do three things. If you want to be successful, study successful people and practice monkey see, monkey do. And that's all right as long as monkey sees the right thing and monkey does the right thing. You just be sure that monkey sees the right thing and that monkey does the right thing. And I'm a believer in studying successful people, prosperous people, happy people. And to go behind that and say, hey, what principles is this person? What are the principles this person's using? You see, because it's not just dumb luck. There's principle behind it. The of 3% of the people who get what they want do three things. Number one, what? They know what they want. People who go out to drill oil wells, there is no doubt about it. They know exactly what they want. I read the one time that most people are definite and positive is just usually when they go to the bathroom. (laughs) Why? Because they know exactly what they went to do. There's no doubt about it. They know exactly what their purpose is. So you think about this every time. You see, if you can use that experience.
0: <laughs> so that's a
6: mundane experience, but it's a mundane experience that you can make something positive out of from now on. Every time you go there, it says, Now I know exactly what I've come here to do. And this is exactly what I must know about everything in my life. So the people who get what they want, first of all, what? Know what they want. Secondly, they what? Write it down. And thirdly, they what? Review it frequently. So here are the three techniques for getting what you want. And these are techniques, these are ways and means that you are going to have to put to use. Know exactly what you want. Decide, see, feel. And say what you want. The old Pentecostal hymn says, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. You see, it's not enough for Jesus to be on the main line. You must what? Tell him what you want. What do you want me to do for you? The master said, that I may receive my sight. Use your power of description to get what you want. You see, there is power in your describing what you want. That's why you're to know it, you're to write it down, and you're to review it frequently. I've told you one of the techniques that I've practiced over the past few months, and it's wonderful. I read all of my goals onto a tape recorder and recorded it. And I have nine auto-reverse tape recorders, and I've got it on both sides of the tape, various affirmations and so on. And I play it on the subliminal level all night, most every night. That helps me to review what I want. I don't say that I want so-and-so. I affirm that I have it. I feel that I already have it. I see that I already have it so that I've impressed upon my subconscious mind that I already have what I want. And that's very interesting, you know, because every prayer contains the answer. Say that. Say to the person sitting next to you, Your prayer contains the answer. Good to know that. Your prayer contains the answer. My mother used to sing the song, Every Prayer Will Find Its Answer. That's correct also, but it's better for me to say, My prayer contains the answer. Isn't that wonderful? If you pray a prayer for healing, that prayer contains the healing that it asks for. If you pray for prosperity, that prayer contains the prosperity that you pray for. I want you... This is going to help your prayer life a lot more. You see, because the moment that you pray, at the same time, you are to acknowledge the answer. Jesus said in the Gospels also that when you stand praying, believe that you receive those things that you ask for, and you shall have them. My prayer contains the answer. Again... All right, so know what you want. Somebody is saying, yes, but Reverend Ike, are we supposed to be choosy? Yes, you are supposed to be choosy. And I think sometimes in childhood, maybe some of our parents misindoctrinated us by saying, don't be so choosy. How many of you have ever had that said to you, don't be so choosy? And you see, you've got to reverse all of that conditioning. I'm saying to you, be choosy. You see, because if you don't choose for yourself, the world will choose for you. If you don't choose to be rich, the world will choose for you to be poor.
3: If you don't choose
6: to be wealth, the world has chosen some delicious diseases for you to show you what the average people have happened to them. This is why you must choose. You see, when you make a choice, you take yourself out of the hands of dumb luck. I'm going to say that again and repeat it after me. When I choose... I take myself out of the hands of dumb luck. luck. Think about that. Think about that. But I want to be redundant about this part. Now, if you don't choose, somebody else is going to choose for you. The world will choose for you. You'll give your power of choice away. So be choosy. Be choosy about everything that you want to be, to do, and to have. I'm not talking about being choosy about somebody else's stuff. I had somebody who worked for me one time, looked at one of my diamond rings and says, I choose to have that ring right there. I said, don't choose my stuff, you choose your own. <laughs> they don't go around claiming other people's stuff, claim your own. Use your power of description to get what you want. And number two, write down what you want. This helps to impress it upon the subconscious mind. This helps to organize your good desire. Oh, I wish you would work with it as you've never worked with it before. Very often I would have reporters and interviewers say to me, well, Reverend Ike, why do you ask people to write you their prayer requests if you already know what they need and what they want? Well, first of all, I admit, I know what everybody wants. That's why I came up with the old cliche, health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money. Now, anything that anybody wants is included there somewhere, right? I've discovered that within that spectrum, also, you can find just about everybody's problem, like I told you about Tiny before. I just discovered after I talked with her a few minutes what she needed. She just needed some money, and she just finally came and said it. So you've got to come to that point of knowing exactly what you want and get a piece of paper and write your desires and your choices, and that will help to impress it upon the subconscious mind. It helps to organize your good Now, I like the word also organized. Say that. Because you see, an organized mind works efficiently. Like this business of knowing what you want for just a moment. The moment you decide what you want, you start the process to working. Every time you make a decision, something happens. Every time you make a choice, something happens. The process begins. But until you make the choice... God doesn't even know what to do for you. Like somebody might have criticized Jesus when he asked the blind man, what do you want? He says, well, he was Jesus, he was God, he was God's son. Shouldn't he know what the man wants? It only goes to show you that God is always urging us to say what we want, to use the power of the scripture. I got a lovely testimony card, for example, to help demonstrate this sermon. And this testimony here that she received a notice that the landlord wanted her apartment that she was living in and wanted it in a hurry. And so, she said, I needed a three-bedroom apartment immediately. In my offering envelope, I wrote apartment. In one month, I had a three-bedroom apartment. Write the vision, make it plain. Say that. Write the vision, make it plain. She said something very interesting also. She went to the post office and picked up a registered dispossessed notice and got back home and the phone rang. When she got back with that letter and said, Come over here, I've got a three-bedroom apartment for you. And she had written what she wanted. So write what you want. Because it clarifies the situation to you. It clarifies the situation so that divine mind power will know just how to work it out. It impresses it upon the subconscious and organizes your good desire. Number three, the third technique for getting what you want. Review it frequently. This keeps the mind moving on course. That's very important. Now, you've got to be careful when you choose what you want, when you write what you want, and when you review it. Write what you want in such a way that it states you already have it. Oh, this is so important. Write what you want in a way that states you already have it. Do not write what you want in any way That infers that you don't have it. Do not write, I wish I had some money. That is a prayer that says you don't have it. How does God identify itself? God identifies itself as I am. Not I wish. Not I will be. Not I was. Not I wish I had. I wish I had is not God. Present tense is God. I want to say this again because if I could get just one subtle thing over to you, you're going to have a new experience in prayer. When you write what you want, write it in a way which implies that you already have it. And I'm going to use, I guess, what has become just about my favorite Bible verse again. I think I talk about it every time I get up here. The Bible says, in the language of the mystic, let the weak say, I wish I was strong. You getting the point now? Let the weak say what? I am strong. Never pray or state your good desire in a way that indicates that you don't have it. Say that you do have it. Whenever a physical problem presents itself to me, my standard prayer is this. God in me is my good health. Let's hear it.
0: God in me is my good health.
6: So you see, now as you're going to go home, you're going to go home and you're going to take that sheet of paper. You're going to write on the top, what do I want? And then you're going to write what you want in such a way that implies that you already have it. If you want money, what are you going to say? I am plenty money. I am surplus money. You're not going to say, I wish I had. You see what goes wrong with some people's prayer? Be careful what you tell the subconscious. Let the weak say, I am. And then review it. You see, because that divine listener within you keeps listening. That power of hearing, it just keeps listening. And it is going to believe and bring to pass whatever you say. He shall have whatsoever he said. Again, he shall have whatsoever he says. I shall have whatsoever I say. Again, I shall have whatsoever I say. I say what? I say that I have. Now, this will help you better also to understand the words of Jesus. To him that hath, to him it shall be given. Say that. To him that hath, it shall be given. Say it again. To him that hath, it shall be given. The third time, to him that hath, to him it shall be given. Only the person who already has it can get it. You are not going to get it until you've got it. Got it? <laughs> <laughs> Stop Think about that for a moment. You know, some people wonder, well, how come I'm always praying and I don't ever get nothing because you haven't got it. You're not going to get it until you've got it. Isn't it a paradox? And when you get it, you'll have it. <laughs> get it? Got it? Stop trying to get it until you've got it. What do you mean, Reverend Knight? Get it in your mind. When you get it in your mind, you've got it. Right. To him that hath. To him it shall be given. Life only gives to those who've got. Got it where? In the mind. In the feeling nature. That's another way to say it. And this is very important. You get it with your mind. You get it with your feeling nature. You have to have the feeling of having it.
3: I want money. Okay. How would I
6: feel if I had plenty of money? Ask that question. How would I feel? All right, I'm going to help you, and I'm going to give you a line to put on your description of what you want when you work with it at home. I'm going to give you the one for money. I see and feel myself always having surplus money. What is it? I see and feel myself always having surplus money. Again, I see and feel myself always having surplus money and then you see you begin to act like you've got it and feel like you've got it and start acting like the Pentecostals when they get the Holy Ghost when you get it in your mind, when you feel like you've got it, when you say you've got it, when you're praising God that you've already got it, then it shall be given unto you miracles will happen but you're not going to get it until you've got it in your mind in your feelings and so, everything that you want, I suggest that you, when you write down what you want, when you write the vision, that you say, I see and feel myself with such and such. I see and feel myself being such and such. I see and feel myself doing such and such. But I suggest you use the words what? See and feel. Because the Bible says does what? It says what? Write the vision. What's a vision? A vision is something you see in your mind. Is that right? A vision is something that you see with the eyes of the mind, with the eyes of the soul. All right, let's do some work on this because the rest of this work you've got to do at home, you've got to do it alone. I like that pretty good. You're not going to get it until you've got it. You see, that's why things are so hard to get sometimes. That's why things are so hard to accomplish sometimes because people are trying to get them and they haven't got them. So decide what you want. Write it down. Write it on paper. Write it in your mind. Write it in your heart. Write that you've got it. Say that you've got it. See that you've got it. Feel that you've got it. And it isn't always well to tell everybody. Don't be a blabbermouth. You get enough static as it is, you don't need to go asking. Don't go running down the street shouting, I am rich, I am rich.
0: The mugger may get the
6: wrong idea. You can't always tell your best friends the things that you've got written in your heart and in your mind. You can't always tell your family. Especially Aunt. I wish I'd remembered what publication it was, but uh, this there's a lady that turned out to be a resounding success in a certain field. I'll find it and find out the exact specifics. And she said, the reason I was able to do this was because my grandmother, my father's mother, she said, always told me when I was a little girl, you are never going to amount to anything. Now I told you, you don't tell your kids that. That's dangerous. That's bad self-image psychology. She said she never forgot that. She made it up in her mind. I'm going to show her. So when people doubt you, when people try to talk you down, what are you going to say? I'm going to show them. But you see, somebody else would have let that hinder them. When you write the vision in your heart of the good that you desire to be, to do, and to have, don't go blabbering it to everybody because some of your good kinfolks will talk you out of it. How many of you ever told somebody some good desire you had in your heart and they just jumped on you with both hands and feet? Let's see your hands. Never had that happen? No, you can't do
0: that. Right. No, you can't be that. Right.
6: I worked at many jobs while I was growing up. I worked officially, I think, first of when I was nine years of age. Every Friday I had this job. And among the things I did, I scrubbed from the back steps down the front steps of this lady's house. And I don't think she washed a dish during the week.
0: <laughs>
6: to this day, I, I've got a few hang ups, and one is washing dishes. <laughs> I mean, I don't like to wash
0: one. I'm not
6: talking about washing a whole, but I don't like to wash one. Not one. because I require a lot of solitude. Many times I'm in a place where there's nobody there but me in one of the places, you know, and there's nobody else there at the moment. And, you know, I'll use one glass or one dish or something. I don't like to wash one. (laughs) I worked all day long, one dollar. Then at 11 years of age, I got a job in a car shop. And as I would be scraping up the grease and cleaning up the grease, there was one head mechanic that used to razz me. As I think about it now, I thank God for him. I thank God for him because he really motivated me.
0: And there I was with the
6: grease all over me. And I remember the first summer I worked there, I didn't have money to buy a pair of shoes. And I walked in the grease and among all the metal and the sharp objects in, in an automobile shop, and I didn't have shoes. And he would come by, the head mechanic would come by and look at me every once in a while and say to me, Boy,
0: do you think that you will ever amount to anything?
6: Didn't even have a shirt on. I would straighten up with all the grease streaks off, And I would say, Yes, sir! Go back to straighten that grease. So if life ever asks you, anybody ever asks you, do you think you will ever amount to anything? You just straighten up
3: in God
6: and say yes, sir.
3: sir. Say yes to life. Say yes to God. Say yes to good. Say yes to healing. Say yes to success. Say yes to prosperity.
6: But keep your visions in your heart. Keep them written down. Review them. Keep that mind on course, and God will work miracles in your life. Let's do this prayer treatment. Oh, what a statement this is. When you can really say this, I mean say it in your feeling, say it from your soul of soul, then you're going to get it. All right, here it is. I know exactly why. And you don't wait until you get a problem to know that you want to be well. You better know it every day. I know exactly what I want. I know exactly what I want. I write it in my mind and on, write, on paper. I write it in my mind and on paper. So you get home and write the vision. Make it plain. I review and affirm what I want daily. I review and affirm what I want daily. And give thanks for it. And give thanks for it. Even before it appears. I dare you to so feel that you are being doing and having the good that you desire until you get happy over it. I mean just rejoice until you get happy about it. Get so happy about it until you talk in tongues. Get so happy about it that you go singing and rejoicing. Get it? Get it? Thank you, Father.
0: Thank you, Father.
6: Thank you, God, in me.
0: Thank you, God, in me.
6: I know, exactly I, I know exactly what I want.
0: I want good health. I want
6: perfect health in spirit, mind, and body. I want total well being.
0: I, I, I want happiness.
6: I want to love and be loved. I want success. I want prosperity. I want money. money. No doubt about it. No apologies for it. it. Now, you see, that's another thing, and my mother used to say this to me often. She said, Son, don't be so mealy mouthed about what you want. You know, some people, when they pray and ask for something, they apologize. Do you realize some people are so intimidated by life until they almost apologize for living? Have you ever seen people like that? I'm going to ask for some confessions now. How many of you have prayed, Lord, uh, just just give me this and I won't ask for that? If you give me this, I won't ask for that. How many of you have prayed prayers like that? Come on, confess. Let's see your hands. Stop it! Don't do it anymore! Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. Know? Now just before we close this lesson, we are going to state these prayers in the way that I taught you to state them. Here we go. I am total well-being. I am total well-being. I see myself in total well-being. I see myself in total well-being. I am happy. I am happy. The joy of the Lord. My strength is
0: right
6: here, right, here. Right, now. right now. I am love. I am love.
3: I am love. I, am love. I, am love I am love itself.
6: I am loving and being loved in divine order. I am, and
0: being loved I am success.
6: I am success itself. I am prosperity. I am prosperity itself. I am I am money. I am money itself. I am money itself. I am infinite money. I am surplus money. I am money in every form and amount that I need and want.
0: I am, I am, I am. am. am.